Hey, we remembered this time. We did. You know what we didn't do? Welcome Uh, to the Art of Murder. My name is Julie. I'm Jenna. We are here to report murders and art potentially to you. Potentially. Um, So, Julie. Yes, Jenna. We're going to just, I'm going to go right into this. Yes, do it. Love it. Okay. So, that envelope that I passed you today. Yes, the one that says, to Julie, (laughs) do not open until I hit record. Which, rest assured, I am recording. Are you sure? Yes. This is the part where I open the envelope and I have anthrax and I die. I'm <laughs> no. so pissed. This goes public, guys. I really hope this works. I really hope. I don't even know. Guys, I have no idea what, what is in here. Yes. So Can I open it? Yeah. Right now. You can open it right now while I explain. So last night, um, something really awesome happened and I somehow had this fucking crazy idea that I wanted to deliver it in a different way. Okay, guys, there's no money in the envelope. No money. Like Sorry. Uh, that's next week. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and we may now, there may be money in that envelope. So, uh, Julie, you're going to read this because okay. this is, this is, this is, okay. this is my project. I'm opening a, a piece of paper oh, up. So, what? before, yeah. You, no, yeah, just, yeah. you know, yeah, go for it. Okay, it's, it was threefolded. I opened it up and at the top it says The Art of Murder, Where Art Meets Murder, which is our podcast. And then it says, Dear Listeners... Should I explain how she, Jenna got me to write, she made a list of like, it's kind of like a, a Mad Lib where she's told me, write a noun, write a verb, write an adverb, write whatever, uh, write something you do with your mouth. And so I didn't know why. So this is what it is. Over the last few weeks, we've been experiencing technical difficulties with our dildo. <laughs> Not being available on iTunes, it has been an uphill battle on this matter, but thankfully iTunes got their shit together. Did they fix it? Yes. I almost feel like I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it because I don't want to cry. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. Yeah. I can't believe it's reading this letter. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I can't believe you didn't tell me. She's telling me right now. I'm so happy. Oh, shit. Okay. Ah, uh, shit. Okay, dildo. Okay. Uh, so, today, we would very much like to hump... <laughs> Huff the return of the art of murder on iTunes. What an ugly announcement for our listeners to be greeted with. <laughs> I really should have chose adjectives better. Uh, this is very exciting, especially since today marks our 10th beautiful episode of the podcast. We understand that 10 may seem like a spectacular number to some of you, but to us, 10 was like having your eyes clawed out by a chihuahua while having hot wine (laughs) poured down your thong as you are observing the most horrendous rendition of when two become one that is my most bestest favorite song ever how could they my ears bleed (laughs) I love it. Uh, But we survived. 
And we can quickly say, Kaka! Good job. Thank you. I, Julie, would like to offer some of our listeners a special one-time gift, a huge bag of advice. So for you now, here is this very pod the pod the Podloftian. Oh, Podloftian. I see that. I see what you did. It. Facility. I impart my infinite wisdom on you, listener, just once. This exclusive deal is all yours, but only if you act now. And Jenna, yes. let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you. You can own my slimy bag of advice <laughs> for the low, low price of only three AC payments of $11. <laughs> Here's a sneak peek. The road to Sudbury will carry you down a river full of Jenna's. When you spot the hairy crested pigeon bird meat eyes. Meat meat eyes. Oh, meat eyes. And forever blink up the amount of sushi (laughs) to the everlasting paradise of Little Current. In In conclusion... Whistle the name of your one true serial killer lover and forever ride this soggy ass journey with us as we art and murder. No, Julie, you read that wrong. It's murder and art. Sheesh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, listeners. Sorry with one S. Whoops. It's sorry. Sorry, listener. And if you're still with us, seriously, I think I speak for Jenna and I when I say... oh. Yeah, when I say I'm the greatest human ever and getting to make this podcast with me is a dream come true for her. I really hope this bit is funny when we record it and I better have yelled at Jenna to check to see if it's actually recording too. Jenna, are you recording? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you for all your continued support and shout outs and naked pictures. Wait, what? (laughs) See... So with that, ambient toast. Yours truly, Julie and Jenna. Oh my God, so you wrote this up last night? Yeah. That's funny. I didn't know. You could do your own Mad Libs? Yeah. I I just Google searched it and I was like, hey, how do you make your own Mad Libs? And so this was it. This is what I came up with. Okay. I had to like fill in so much because I wanted it to be at least like, anyways, it's okay. Good. It was good. That was (laughs) impressive. Your reaction made my heart so oh happy. Oh my god, I can't believe it. I can't believe you had this information and you didn't yeah. tell me. No. No, I wanted it to oh, be so you're on everything. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So we are back. We are on iTunes now. Uh everything seems to be sorted out. The website is officially up. Holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> you can visit us at uh, theartofmurder.ca. Oh my gosh. We have a website. And I introduced this with a dildo. Yeah, you did. <laughs> can you guys guess what words were mine? <laughs> <laughs> so, yay. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. And our 10th episode. <gasps> Jenna, you sneaky bugger, you. What can I say? You sneaky little bugger. What can I say? Shit. Well, I'm super pumped. I thought it was going to take way longer. Thank you, iTunes, for... Finally. Getting your shit yeah. together? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, I was hoping that they, they didn't even tell me. I actually went on last night to check, and our podcasts were gone. So, they had all been scheduled for the stuff that they needed to do. So, okay. I resubmitted our, our feed, and mm-hmm. bing, bang, boom. And it was okay. It was okay. And now, do we have all nine episodes on iTunes? Mm-hmm. Holy fuck-a-duck. Mm-hmm. 
shit. Guys, oh. please subscribe, comment, like our stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're, we're everywhere now. Wow. Okay. Now I feel like we're like legit. Yeah. Like, we're back. We're back. We're back in the saddle again. I know it, it really energized me last night while I was writing. I, I, no wonder you can sleep. I know. Well, I, <laughs> that's why I got this. I got this crazy idea in the middle of the night. Yeah. Hey, what's the best way to deliver, the, deliver this information? Create Let's make a Mad Lib, a Mad Lib and make my life a little bit regarding the art. Harder. We got to keep this for sure. Yes. Oh, it's stuck. Yeah. And so also we officially have a letterhead. <laughs> so oh. if we ever need to make. Very, very fancy, fancy legit mm-hmm. stuff. We have a letterhead. It's nice. Thank you. It's in really nice. I like the blood smear. Thank it. you. Or it could be a paint smear. Either way, let's go with blood. Yeah. I was thinking blood, yeah. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely blood. I love I like it. it. Good. Yay. Oh, that's cool, Jenna. When did you find that out? Yesterday? Yes. Holy yeah. Fuck. Well, they didn't tell me. So I've been yeah. having oh, yeah, this issue right. where they're not like updating me on what the status of, of our iTunes issue was. But last night, so I took, I just went on myself and. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 That was good. Oh, yes. We High five. Super <laughs> signing up for a religious choir because we we're super into that. <laughs> Hey! Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I've been listening to Uncovered by the CBC. Yeah. And one of uh, what they did a, a series on Nexium, that cult that. Um, no, no, you have no. Oh, you don't know about. Okay, so this is a very, very recent cult Ooh, that just. Let's join. <laughs> no, because if you would like a, a laser pointed laser stick to engrave your skin. Without, oh, yeah, shit. The, like they brand all. It's basically, unfortunately, a sex, a alleged sex trafficking cult. Okay. Yeah, and they brand all their women with a very and special. They choose this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You give them money. They. I don't know how they pyramid, pi- not period scheme, pyramid scheme. You into getting other people to join. It's yeah. It's a it's a great podcast, guys. If it feels like a cult. It's probably a cult. It's probably a cult. Yeah. And just go home. Yeah. Just go home, watch some TV, sleep on it. You know, yep. you yep. don't have to make any rash decisions. Nope. Nope. Take your time. Have uh, a hot dog. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Could be a veggie dog. You know what our kids today uh, decided to debate? Whether a hot dog was a sandwich or not while you were out getting, oh. yeah, while you were doing pickup. <laughs> yeah. So. I think it's a category on its own. See, I, I said that actually was a sandwich. Because the idea is that you have meat in between bread. In Wait, between- is a sub? Yeah, because a sub is a sandwich. So I was thinking it was a sub sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. So what makes a hot dog not a sandwich? Because it's just. I feel like it's just like a hamburger. Is a hamburger a sandwich? If anything, a hamburger looks a little way more like than a sandwich than a hot dog, but it's not. It's a hamburger. Hmm. So I think you get sandwiches, hot dogs, and hamburgers. Like those can be three different. Interesting. Options. No, that's a good perspective. You guys weigh in. You tell us what it is. You know what? Let's just go over that story one more time and okay. really slow it down and really drag it out. Our hot dogs, sandwiches, or hamburgers, or sandwiches too, or okay. 
Those of you who just tuned in for the first time. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast. Yeah. And we're awesome. We're fucking hilarious. You should actually, I don't think you've read our about us page yet on the website. No, I've not I had, been on our own website yet. That's okay. It wasn't ready yet. <clears throat> Today, surprise, telling you all the, the cool things that are happening. But I highly encourage you to go and check out the about us page because I had a lot of fun writing oh, it. Shit. Did you mad lib it too? <laughs> no, no, I didn't mad lib it. Um, no, I just got really creative. I just okay. almost boogered into the you microphone. Gotta, sometimes you just got a booger. I got a booger. I got, yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, stuff. Stuff, you know what? I, Sal and Jenna had some corrections to do. Um, I don't remember any of them because I was listening to it when I was, I think, in my car. Oh. So I couldn't write it down. I don't remember. I'm sure I fucked up. And you know what? Clean slate. From now on, I will definitely forget to keep doing corrections. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be too embarrassed to actually do them. For me? <laughs> for no mine, for my own corrections. Scratch my chest pimple. Are you okay? I think I'll survive. Oh, I had a good one for you the other day that was like right behind my ear oh. and I couldn't wait to get and I had one in my ear too. Ooh, and it was good. so painful. And I asked Tyler to look at it for me and he goes, There's nothing there. I go, are you for real? Because there's nothing there. You just got to keep digging. Right? Yeah. So I go in the mirror. I set myself up. Mirror behind. Mirror on the side. Mirror in front of me. Oh, boy. Was it a big one. It was massive. And so I took my little tool. And I didn't I didn't even need to, like, push in. And it just went. Yep. Yeah, it was awesome. We love pimples. Mm-hmm. We love Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So good. My- I especially like blackhead videos like those are my favorite did you see the thing on on facebook that my aunt tagged me into no it's like a 10 minute long video of just popping blackheads and pimples like just like big ones oh it's like slightly nauseating and slightly super amazing i'm now gonna log into facebook which i've been avoiding and i will you should check it out you should oh yeah i love it i could just watch it just it's i've watched this video i think three or four times already it's like brilliant. Uh, one day I want to record myself getting some of Tyler's blackheads because he has some pretty good ones that they're not small. They they like shoot out up <laughs> like a, like a little tiny this tree. Is this is it. Oh, <gasps> yes. Like oh my god. This is covered in big thick blackheads. Oh my god. Okay. Question for you. What yeah. is your opinion about? Anyway, so let's talk about murder. Yeah. So this week, I'm going to go first because Jenna has a heavy hitter. I do. So, yeah, so that's just what's going to happen because I think we should end with her. And then next week, we will, you will do. You'll go first. I'll go I'll, first and you'll do yours. I'll do a heavy hitter yeah. with all my time that I have. <laughs> I hope I can do it. Hey, I did it. That's true. Uh, but I then again, I've been really wanting to do this for a long yes. time. <laughs> there's, no, there's no documentary about mine that I found. Oh. Well, hmm. I didn't really look, but. All right. Okay, let's oh, do I'm this. Excited. Okay. Okay. Elizabeth Ridgway. Hmm? I have my information from Wikipedia and Lady Killers, Deadly Women Throughout History Ooh. by Tori Telfer, which I've done another. Lizzie Halliday, I think, was from her. I can't be sure. But she does a lot of stuff. Her book is fantastic. Uh, this one's Devil in the Shape of a Saint. <gasps> Elizabeth Ridgway was raised in a good Christian home. But met the devil at some point and was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, how's it going, Satan? Yeah, not bad. This is an exact quote. No, it's not. 
She was a type of woman who took offense easily. And Lyme came natural to her and figured love was an impossible thing to reach. Girl, we know. Uh, she was born in a small British town named Ibstock during the late 17th century. So she, this is an old time. Oh, old. Yes, old timey. So she was born last name Husbands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Her father was a farmer and she lived at home until she was 29 years old. So being a spinster for far too long, the townspeople just had to assume that she was a religious maid and a follower of the Presbyterians. This, however, was not the case. Fucking people, if you're single for too long, you must be like a nun or something. <clears throat> um, also, she had told a preacher at some point that she was, quote, indifferently inclined to the church and private meetings. Uh, un- un- I think I said unquote to start off with. And the end of the quote is now. <laughs> um, so throughout this story, some stuff is taken like by quotes. So it's... Um, I think it's, sometimes it's the preachers writing it because it was a preacher that wrote the story and... Anyway, it's written from somewhere. Uh, so she had a bad temper and had no patience with anyone who disagreed with her. When her and her mother had a spat, either of some falling out about their household ch- affairs, or her mother would rant about some other thing she disliked about her, <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth decided to poison her mother and kill her. I like my female serial killers. With her mother dead, she kept house for her father. Of course, dear old daddy-o had no inclination as to what really happened to his wife. Uh, Then Elizabeth got annoyed with her father, seeing that, just like her mom, he was always telling her what to do. So she peaced out and got a job in town, working and living as a servant in a wealthier household. I just think it's funny. She doesn't like getting told what to do. So she's a little narcissistic. Okay. Um, It's her way or the highway, and she doesn't... Her her idea is, like, the only good idea. Yeah. And you can't tell her what, what to, to do, do at all. But yet she's a servant. So, you know, that was interesting. Interesting. But her, her master was rarely home. So Lizzie, I'm going to call her Lizzie every now and then, <laughs> took it upon herself to entertain all the male visitors her wild heart or vagina what? desired. Woo woo party at the master's home. Yeah. Especially since he he's a he he's a rich guy and he's got nice things, so she wants to have them over now. That's so good. they can get in her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well, whatever. Okay. So her f- favorite way to flirt was talking about love and marriage. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. I don't know the rest. That's, that's all that matters. <laughs> so she would imply to the, to the man, whichever one he was, that she thought he may be the one and make plenty of promises she never intended on keeping. So, I mean, other than the mom killing thing, this thing is kind of cool for somebody in the 1600s. <laughs> Good for you, girl. <laughs> But you won't like her for long. Um, now, she did have a couple favorites. She liked John King, and she really liked Thomas Ridgway. Ooh. <laughs> now, King was a servant at another household in Ibstock. So he was about like on the same social level as her. But Ridgway, on the other hand, he was a tailor with two apprentices. And his name carried a certain degree of class in the town. One could say he was a little more 
tailor-made for her. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Thank that you. That was good. That Thanks. was really good. Now, <laughs> while she was busy getting hers, mm-hmm. she also was harboring a major grudge against one of her male co-workers. It started over some small disagreement. Who knows? Maybe he sucked at cleaning. Like, I get it. Yeah. That, that shit's frustrating. It okay? is. Yeah. Anyway, um, so instead of telling him what was up, she bottled it up like a good woman does until she just well, couldn't take it anymore. This young, perfectly healthy man was served up broth with white mercury mixed into it. He started feeling unwell and then died in agony a few hours later. What? Mm-hmm. So this one's broth. Remember uh, Nanny Doss? Yeah. Prune pie. Oh, yeah. My aunt meant to make you a prune pie, by the way. She was wondering, she's like, oh, I wanted to make Jenna a prune pie. Is it safe to eat? I'm sure. I trust your aunt. Yeah, she's cool. I mean, even if she did decide to want to po- poison it, that'd be kind of an awesome way to go. Like having one of our fans <laughs> kill me. But I- Guys, don't kill us. Oh boy. Nobody poison us. I'm not inviting it. No. I have a lot to We sort have to of- go see MFM in February. We do. So, so yeah. Sorry. Hold off on that. Yeah. Not the pie. No, get the pie. Yeah. Mind you, I've never tasted a prune pie. Me neither. I just either had way, chocolate pie for the first time. Either way, it'll make you go, right? I, that, and I need that. Oh, so I welcome go. it. Yeah. Prunes are good for good bowel movements. Chocolate pie? Like like a mud pie? It was It was just, it was a, a vegan free, I think, gluten free. Vegan free? Free. <laughs> so what? All animals? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, pie? Uh, my next door neighbor, Alicia, brought it over. It was still, it was really, it was, and it was really good. it was gluten free too? Yeah. It was like no dairy in it mm, or something. Dairy. I don't know. Where the fuck is my piece? There actually is a piece in the <gasps> fridge. Would you like to have some? We'll have some later. Well, now I feel bad that I just requested it. No. Like, okay, like, you, you should try bite. it. Like, you give me a bite. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I think I can manage that. Okay. <laughs> well, those summer nights were coming to an end, and she realized she had been dragging the whole kid, uh, King and Ridgeway thing. Mm-hmm. Way too long. So both men clearly expected her to marry them. And given the way she was with them, it was understandable. And in those days, well, the social norm was you get married after a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no way of doing this without breaking hearts and scandalizing society. Uh Uh-oh. Unless. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, wait. Unless you kill one of them. (gasps) Yeah. Now, at this point, Elizabeth knew that she preferred the richer, more influential Mr. Ridgeway. Uh, he probably had a bigger... Never mind. I was going to say bank account. But... Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah. Big wiener. <laughs> Big hada. <laughs> sausage. Um, <laughs> English sausage. <laughs> oh, shit. What is it? Blood sausage? Oh, yeah. There blood sausage. Yeah. I had one of those. That's weird. Yeah. I've never had one. I had it in Harry Potter World. Really? Yeah, in the in the Hogsmeade pub restaurant that they have there. I had breakfast there once with it was weird. Oh, it's black pudding. It's called black pudding. Black pudding, yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah, okay. And it's made out of like curled blood, right? Yeah. Ooh. Um Anywho. Okay, anywho, but she couldn't tell King uh let like let King find out until she was ready to dispose of him and she didn't want him to go all crazy and rage like and ruin her reputation. Again, that whole reputation mm-hmm. thing. So she Continued to lead him on in her ways. Sweet whispers and kisses. Careless whispers? And sexting. You know, the typical stuff in the 1600s. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually she got to, 
quote, season him some draft which sent him into the other world, unquote. That sounds very pleasant. Yeah. So he should have been very thankful. (laughs) (laughs) So poor Johnny boy expecting to go down on one knee and instead he just went down. He's going down, down, down. (laughs) Ring of fire. Ring of fire. (laughs) Anyway, his death wasn't pleasant, which which death is, but it was highly memorable because his blood, quote, turned black. It was said. His inside burned. His stomach was consumed by a violent, gnawing sensation. And Elizabeth was finally relieved when he was six feet under. So that's what you do when you have boy problems, apparently. Instead of being honest, you just... I was going to say... Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that sounds like a better option. Than being honest. I don't... Yeah. (laughs) Less work? Wait. Mm. less after aftermath baggage yeah like you have to deal with it and then what if he like posts on facebook that you're a bitch yeah Yeah. i can't have any of that shit my reputation means everything to me god guys don't kill people (laughs) um so with john king dead now she had to play the part of the sad like girlfriend oh of course because you don't call them girlfriends when they're still whatever but and so she spent the part of the winter grieving good because it would look look suspicious if she ran off with her other suitor Mm mm-hmm I called him a suitor because he's a tailor. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I didn't Thank put you. two Thank into. You. Oh my god! It's okay. Uh, but finally, on February first, sixteen eighty-three, she married Thomas Ridgway. Her father told her straight up, "Don't do it." Oh, but she did it anyway, like any daughter would. The first three weeks, the honeymoon phase was seemingly mutual love. Was quote, at least it seemed that way to outsiders. Hmm. They would stroll through the market at Ash. By de la Zouch. Ashby de la Zouch? Mm-hmm. Okay. And shop for household goods, lost in a fog of wedding bliss. Now, if you were a great detective, or if you could be a fly on Lizzie's shoulder, you would have seen her slip away to buy two penny worth of a mysterious white powder from an old widow. Mm. But come on, people were seeing the town flirt married, and the bachelor was happy. It all looked right in the Ridgeway home. <laughs> hmm. Now, do I need to tell you that she wasn't happy? Uh, I kind of got that, but I w- it wasn't super clear. Okay, so Elizabeth uh-huh. was not happy. No. No, no. So you after, don't say. I know. Like, she seems so chill. Yeah. So after a year of hinting at marriage and forever after, she found out that eh, that wasn't what she really wanted after all. That sucks. Figured That's, that out before. Yeah. So secretly, she was quote, frustrated of her expectation in her marriage, for she could not love her husband as she ought, unquote. Now, being unhappy in a marriage sucks, and it is a big deal. Yes. But being Lizzie, specifically, with her history of turning on people for the smallest inconvenience, that's not a good combo. No. And she also figured something else out about Ridgeway. Uh, and like it might be because the whole love triangle was gone and done, but she realized that he was a terrible bore. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. No, you got to keep somebody. People. No, I know, and it's true. It's probably because you know she had that like scandalous ooh King and Ridgeway thing, so she's like, ooh, I can sleep with you and feel naughty. And now it's like, oh, it's legit boring. <laughs> <laughs> and to add insult to injury, Thomas Ridgway wasn't exactly the wealthy, prestigious tailor she originally thought he was. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So those two assistants he had. He, he did have them. Yeah, but they don't make him rich? 
What? You should have sold them. Uh, shortly after they were married, his sister demanded he, that he pay back a debt of 20 pounds he owed her. So that sum uh, almost completely bankrupted him and by connection, her. Yeah. And so now Lizzie was faced with the prospect of poverty and embarrassment. So this whole situation was way too much for her, and she thought about just poisoning herself to escape from the relationship. Yep. But she felt like, because of this, like, she just wanted to talk to somebody, but she couldn't because she just got married to a man she had been pursuing for a month. and All and that ex- hard work. Yeah, and to express dissatisfaction, she didn't want people to see... You know, to get that opinion that yeah. she was ungrateful again, that whole narcissistic thing, mm-hmm. right? So she didn't want to be looked at as like irresponsible and crazy and all that stuff. So don't worry. Elizabeth was very solution oriented and okay. pushed aside the thoughts of suicide and switched her thinking to, of despair, to revenge. Oh, yeah. Because that's a well, great idea. Well, I mean, yeah. So there was certainly something. Uh, she could do to change her unhappy marriage and pending bankruptcy and embarrassment. She waited until a peaceful Sunday morning, three weeks and two days after their wedding, while Thomas was at church to go worship without her, she stayed home and boiled a pot of broth. <gasps> while stirring in some white powder she that she had purchased at the market. When Thomas Ridgway came home, she smiled <laughs> and served him dinner. He ate most of his meal, but... He did complain that there was something gritty in the dish. 30 minutes later, he began to throw up. Oh. And he tossed and he turned in, quote, great torment, unquote, for hours and finally died in anguish after midnight. What? Yes, he was buried without suspicion. Elizabeth was widowed and free. Oh, that poor, poor woman. I know. I know. What, what a loss. She got what you want. What a loss. Now, freaking kids ruin everything, eh? They do. Yes, they... <laughs> why did I hesitate? Yes, they do. I'm the one who's on that train. That's me. <laughs> no, I wrote that in for you. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yay! Yeah. A few days later, those teenage apprentices... Mm-hmm. Apprentice... Apprentice... Why can't I say it now? Apprentices? Yes. There we go. Good take, girl. Take your time, Julie. Breathe. Just screwed her plan... Because they, too, had noticed the gritty substance lurking at the bottom of Ridgeway's bowl. What? Now, the boys... Like, they could see it? Yes. Okay. So, apparently, there's a couple of, like, I guess while Ridgeway was eating it, he was like, ah, oh, there's something gritty in here. Yeah. And I guess they were around, they're like, oh, yeah, it looks like something is gritty. So, they were there and saw, and then all of a sudden... But it's white. I'm curious, like, does... Ooh, well, but... it's in the soup, though, in the broth. Mm. So, you know, can you see the color? Maybe. I don't know. If you had maybe it doesn't more... dissolve. Like, maybe it's not... It... Well, it might not dissolve, but I, the color, I mean, even if it's a color, can, oh, it's salt. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. He's a man. What does he know? <laughs> um, so the boys suspected her of poisoning him. And when she suspected them of knowing, she tried to shut them up with arsenic-laced porridge. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when they refused to eat it, she changed her tactics. Oh? She swore she would make it worth it for them if they kept their mouth shut. Didn't work, though. One of the dudes were super scared, so they actually ran to Ridgeway, Ridgeway's, like, relatives yeah. home and told them that he was pretty sure Elizabeth had killed Thomas. Smart Ridgeway. boys. Now, news hit the Justice of Peace in Peace, Sir Bermont Dixie, who ordered a coroner's inquest. So, they exhumed Ridgeway, who had been dead for eight days, and took a peek inside the decomp box, mm-hmm. what I like to call it, and it was clear... 
that he had been poisoned. Oh, okay, okay. Elizabeth was taken away to jail in Leicester. What? I know. Okay. Now, I think I'm saying that wrong because I want to say it's Leicester, but I think it's one of those things where it is Leicester, but this one specifically is not pronounced that way. I'm going to go with Leicester. I know. I really... It, that's that what sounds it familiar. You want to know why? It's because I think... Another podcast of ours did something and said Leicester, oh. and then they were when they went to England were corrected that it was actually, but it, whatever, who cares? It's Leicester. That's just what it is. If you want to correct us, you can email us at artofmurderpodcast at gmail Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Only about this though. Anything else I get wrong? Yeah. Fuck off. No, Joseph. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now it gets a little voodoo-y. Wait, wait, sorry, what did you? Say? It gets a little voodoo-y right now. I thought you said poopy. Maybe that too. No, no, uh, voodoo-y. Okay. Voodoo-y. All right. Uh, at the time, some courts still practice cruentation, a medieval method of providing guilt. It's like the old school lie detector. Oh. The accused murderer would be required to touch the victim's corpse. <laughs> and if the accused was guilty, the theory was that the corpse would Begin to bleed. Huh? Yes. Now, allegedly, Thomas Ridgway's father forced Elizabeth to touch her husband's body, an act that, shockingly, she was very advert to. Okay. Now, a source claimed that when she finally touched it, the corpse, quote, burst out the nose and mouth, bleeding as fresh as if new stabbed. What? Yes. Oh, my and, goodness. Unquote. Yes. I had to quote that because I would never say that those words like that. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so apparently that happened eight huh. days later. Eight days later, you're bursting at the nose. I was thinking eight days a week is what I thought you were starting. I was, but oh, I. Oh, I see. Okay. I don't. Anyways. It was good. I, I fucked up. I shouldn't have no. said anything because it was what you're doing. No, no, no. I couldn't think of the next line. I kind of wanted eight to do something burst of the nose, a bleed. I don't know. Anyway. So Friday, March 14th. Elizabeth pleaded not guilty before a jury of 12, all who quickly agreed that she had indeed poisoned her husband. And she was sentenced to death by burning. Ooh. We're going down, down, down. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. That's funny. I love that. Coming all back around. Nice. Uh, Now, there was some backlash against the verdict, claiming that it was too harsh (laughs) and that they shouldn't take the word of a 16-year-old kid. But the judge stood firm and denied a retrial. Instead, he asked a clergyman named John Newton to counsel her during her last days of her life. Okay. Apparently, I just want to say that was another famous John Newton preacher in the 1700s. This is not him. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look it up. So there was two. There's two. One, this one is in the 1600s. Uh, so he was a mild, self-deprecating man with the best of intentions. He was horrified by Elizabeth's crime, but he approached her with a certain grace. He wanted to provide her the counsel she needed to help her realize how bad her crimes were and to ease her trans- transition from this life into the next. <laughs> but she was still, quote, indifferently inclined to the men of the cloth and had no interest in making John Newton's job easy chick didn't care, even if it would set her soul free, apparently. John Newton visited her in jail every day for a week and a half, determined to extract a full confession. 
he was shocked to find out that this lady, who had been crying in court, swearing she would never kill a soul, was actually hard to work with and took pleasure in fabricating elaborate stories to confuse him, essentially laughing in his face. (laughs) (laughs) The first lie she told Newton was about John King's death. She claimed that her husband, Thomas Ridgway, had murdered him without her knowledge. She had no idea why Ridgway would kill King. Um, But just before Ridgway died, her husband, he cried out in horror saying... God's hand was just upon him for the wrong he had done to that person so deceased. <laughs> Who speaks like that right before they're about to die? Anyway, she insisted, uh, she, well, she even insisted that in a way she kind of blamed herself for King's death. Oh, sweetheart. His ghost, she said, even appeared to him. <laughs> yeah. On, like at night. Oh my God. <laughs> Elizabeth had several si- siblings hmm. and then Newton talked to them that clergyman guy talk to them and they were all like dude bitch is lying (laughs) she told them a different story she claimed that ridgeway still killed king but that she knew she knew about it and eventually even encouraged it because they were both in love with her they of course hated each other and that even after she married ridgeway he still wanted revenge on him and yes at first she tried to change his mind don't do it don't do it ridgeway that's just paraphrasing um or making that lineup, but his mind was made up, and then she gave up trying and said, do what you will with him. Now, the siblings really weren't paying attention to the timeline of her situation, because John King died I months. was just going to say yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute. He died months b- before they, before they got married. Got married. Yeah. She Anyone went else? and grieved. She went away and yeah. grieved. Yeah. Huh. So, either they didn't care, they're like, Chicks bit crazy or they're just whatever. So when John Newton confronted Elizabeth with the lie, she just replied, dare not judge her husband for whatever he might have done and refused to admit any guilt in the matter. Okay. So Newton grew irritated, as most people would, and probably mad at himself for believing this ghost story. A week after her sentenced, uh, her sentence, another witness came forward, her neighbor, saying that they had seen her buying poison at the market. <gasps> But she wouldn't admit what she used it for. When Newton, so she had admitted to it, but she's like, I'm not telling you what I did, used it for. So when Newton went back into her cell to talk about it, she refused to confirm or deny at this point the purchase of the poison. Oh. So she kind of went back and forth because she did, like I said, she did admit it at one point. And now she will I don't, I will not confirm nor deny the purchase of this poison. <laughs> I won't do it. Uh, she couldn't even admit that she had, oh yeah. She couldn't even admit that she previously admitted to buying the poison. So the pastor, who was infuriated, huffed and refused to visit her until she entered a, quote, better mind and sent for him herself. Now, Newton would have plenty of people to visit that week as being his, the preacher and pastor, not pastor, preacher, pastor, preacher, preacher, pastor, is a preacher. Yeah. Clergyman, whatever. The religious what, a religious person. The man of the cloth. The man of the cloth. But he couldn't stop thinking about Elizabeth because he couldn't figure her out. He knew she wasn't stupid because, quote, she otherwise appeared sufficiently apprehensive and knowing, unquote, and theorized that her silence stemmed from the desire to keep her reputation as clean as she could. Again, the whole narcissistic thing. Or she could have been hoping for a reprieve. So she knew that some people... I had a problem with her penalty and it was harsh and all that. So maybe if she kept her mouth shut, she could get a pardon. 
Yeah. Um, but still, she liked playing with John Newton. She'd give him the impression she was ready to confess fully. He'd race over to her cell and nothing. Oh. Uh, if she really wanted to be free, she should have really played up the sob story to Newton because being a clergyman, he could have talked to the judge and convinced them to change the sentence. Oh, because probably at that time they had a huge amount of influence over the huge. courts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she didn't. She was just a bitch to him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, another made-up story during one of her, quote, full confessions to John Newton was that there was a man from a town called called Hinkley, who was completely obsessed with her, and his obsession didn't stop even when she married Ridgeway. Oh, like, my God. Instead, the man from Hinkley turned into, like, some sort of, like, a stalker and decided that uh, the only way he could have Elizabeth for himself was by killing her new husband. So, on that Sunday when Ridgeway was away at church, the man snuck into Liz- Elizabeth's house and slipped the poison into the bowl of broth. Elizabeth saw this happen, and she didn't stop it, nor did she even, like, hesitate in feeding the poison bowl of broth to Ridgeway. So, again, even if that story's true, you're still... You're oh, my God. <laughs> and she spoke exactly like that. Oh, yeah? Mm. Oh, in I like her. Yeah. Uh, so, Elizabeth informed Newton that she was under oath not to reveal the name of this man. <laughs> under oath. Under oath. Alrighty and there. And during her execution... He will be there, so look at the crowd and check it out, and his facial expression will surely give him away. Uh Uh-huh. That's a big clue. Now, Newton. Oh. Dear sweet Newton, believed the story. Oh, my God. And was appalled that Elizabeth had sworn not to reveal his name. He wrote, because he wrote about this, that's what they did back in the day, I discovered to to her the weakness wickedness of such an oath and that it could no ways bind her into such a hellish concealment. But Elizabeth still refused to name him and Newton left frustrated again. The next day was a Sunday and Elizabeth along with a bunch of other criminals went to church where Newton preached and thought that he did a top-notch job and was convinced that after his sermon regarding obedience that Elizabeth would make a full honest confession. Well, dude, she didn't. Even though she was scheduled to die the next day, she even refused to see him that evening. Instead, she decided to chat up with her father, and they talked about the story from the man from from Hinkley. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. <laughs> How that was just a lie. Oh, <laughs> oh pish posh. She, she, she laughed about it and whatever. Her father must have been like, oh, fuck, what's wrong with this kid? Um, and being appalled. Also, he now was most likely beginning to be suspicious regarding the death of his wife. Oh, yeah. Because Elizabeth was way too comfortable talking and laughing about death. Oh. Which I, well, we, I couldn't do that with this podcast. Oh, um, fuck. Sure. Anyway, uh, okay. Um, it wasn't until the next morning, her execution day, Monday, March twenty fourth, sixteen eighty four, that she confessed. <gasps> Maybe it finally sank in that she was really going to die, and that her stories wouldn't do her justice. Because she admitted she had killed her husband, because of her inability to love him, and because of the shock of his debt, she spoke of her suicidal tendencies three years ago. Around the time of her mother's death, she had purchased the poison with a plan to kill herself, and she had then again purchased more poison to plan or kill herself again uh, from the uh, Ashby de la Zouch market mm-hmm. before, she, again, she ended up using it on her husband. So, she's claiming that she was going to kill herself first, yeah. then she killed her mother, and then kill herself, and then she killed her husband. 
So then there should be one extra vial left over. If we know our math, children, where is that extra vial? Hmm. There is a pamphlet from London about the, quote, most barbarous and cruel of murders of Elizabeth Ridgway that gives us a far spicier recounting of her final confession. We need to get that pamphlet, by the way. Yeah, I want it. Uh, In it, it's, uh, she says, how eight years ago, she started seeing or hearing the demon who would then tell her to poison herself or anyone who offended her. And she confessed that she would always carry poison hidden in her hair and renew her stash whenever she went to the market. Oh. My new Halloween costume? I think I so. was just going to say, hiding things in your hair is a genius idea. And I guess like if you have them, like your hair up and stuff, like yeah. back in the day, you'd have like a big poofy woo-doo-woo-doo. You can just stuff it in one of your poofs. Smart. I know. I would have probably been a drug dealer then and smuggled drugs everywhere in my hair. You would have, co- you could have, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, cocaine wasn't a thing then. <gasps> Spices. I would have, I would have been underground spice dealer. A spice dealer. Or just... White mercury. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, there's a market for it. Uh, obviously. Yeah. I mean. She did admit to killing her mother, her co-worker, John King, her husband, and how she was planning on killing both of her husband's apprentices. <laughs> now, people were not completely satisfied with her confession. If Mr. Demon was with her for eight years, why has she only spoken of the people she killed in the past three or so years? She only confessed to the murders or attempted murders she had been charged with. Mm. Hmm. They are certain that there are others. But Elizabeth wasn't really the one to confess. And surely she thought, well, if you don't know about them, then there's nothing to burden my soul with. So a hungry crowd came out to see her burn. Newton and another clergyman offered to walk her out. She snapped, refusing any religious crap. And she said that she can read and pray as well as they could. <laughs> People came in hopes of last-minute confessions, but Elizabeth disappointed them all with, without revealing anything else, claiming she'd just be repeating the same story without any additional information. Before it was time of her execution, she was forced to watch two brothers being executed, a last effort to terrify her into admitting more crimes. Oh, my God. Now, one of the brothers were, was offered mercy. Mm-hmm. He could be free if he became the ex- executioner for both Elizabeth and his own brother. <gasps> the brother refused. That's cruel, though. So cruel. That's really cruel. I kept thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if the other brother would be like, dude, just do it. Because we're going to both die anyway. Yeah. But then how do you, like, you have to live like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you live with that for the rest of your life. And there there's no mental health help back then. Obviously so you not. would just pretty much, you know. Yeah. So he refused. Good. He refused? I don't know. If that, no, I don't. I don't know if he's mm, yeah. good. I don't, I don't think there's a win. That's just so, that's cruel though. No matter what, there's no win. That's pretty, that's a big punishment. So yeah, the brother refused and the two brothers were hanged all while Lizzie watched. Hmm. Just before the end, Elizabeth spoke up and begged to be hanged first and then throw in the fi- thrown in the fire. They refused. <laughs> <laughs> they tied her at the stake and lit the kindling around her her feet when the flames touched her, she let out a piercing scream and tried to leap away from the fire. This uh. meant that she uh, she was choked because the rope was tied around her neck, and then the smoke began to crowd her lungs. Then, unconscious, she burned. Uh. La fin. That's a harsh way to go. Burning? Yeah, uh, that's so that's bad. Worst. No, I don't condone, but she's kind of a bitch well she's evil she is pretty evil that was such a good story you know what well timey ones are kind of fun and especially when they have 
history to it. Like, like I was saying, like the preacher had, has his stuff written. Yeah. So when you get like documented stuff, I think it's so fascinating. And there was like a little bit of detail. Well, obviously there's always more detail, but how you have to, like this was from his, I guess his book or whatnot. This is all from, again, that book that I told you, the yes. killers. But like you have to describe how the person died. Like the fact that we know that in 1684, this woman screamed and then tried to throw herself. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know. Cause we don't usually, like in today's day, we don't have that much detail. Well, there is. Cause I think a lot of investigators try and piece it together, but. I think people just kept extensive journals back then. Yeah. There's no photography. There's, there's no film or anything. Yeah. So you have to, you have to write. write. To record. And I, th- I think, I feel like I read it somewhere that it is the responsibility of people, like people of the cloth, that they have to document their day to day and how many people they helped yeah. and that kind of stuff. But, oh my gosh. Crazy, eh? Screamed. Let out a scream. My gosh. Like, do I do another poisoner? Then I'm like, I have to. Sometimes I gotta get my girls. You're out the there. poison queen. I, You're and, the queen and, of and poison. I like the girls. Yeah. I like the girls, serial killers, and I like the poison. I like. Yeah. I just like female serial killers. Not that I There's like There's something them, different I mean. about them. Like the, the way in which their actions, like the timeline of how they go and do their murders or leading up to them, there's something. There, there is a big, I don't know, I don't want to say big, but there is a difference between when we talk male serial yes. killers versus female, the way that the story sort of like flows. And their intent. Yeah, Like flows. their intent, because yes. male is usually often sexually yeah. driven, um, and they love the brutal murders. Yes. Females are just like, you're so fucking annoying. Get the fuck out of my life. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little poison. But I remember, I forget which one I started with. I think it was Nanny Doss. Uh, that I started with, or Lizzie Halliday, I can't remember. No, it was, it was, um, Nanny Doss. Nanny Doss. Mm-hmm. And I had the percentages about, you know, women serial killers. Compared yeah. To men. I think it was like 10% of serial killers are women. I could be wrong now. Um, and then, um, I think was like 15% of murders are females, like that commit murders are female. Mm-hmm. Um, but the theory is, is that women are just better at it. So a lot of <laughs> women are just getting away with it because they're sneaky. Yes. They're like, oh, here's a little poison. And oh, now we have autopsies and stuff like that. So there's that. But yeah, I think women are more methodical. Yeah. The, we, we, uh, the depth of which and the depth in which we perceive life and things in general is very vast on the spectrum. Like I, I, Tyler and I always have this conversation about uh, females versus males. And he reads all these books for work about it, that women, he, uh, women have, are so in tuned with other people that they can sort of pick up on emotions or sadness. Well, obvious emotions and other things too, like very carefully. And if you're a narcissist, you use that to your advantage. If you can pick pick that up. So she probably did. She saw opportunities in her interaction with her husband and the way her husband was acting towards her and was always thinking ahead in a, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if narcissistic people pick up on... This is this is Julie Psychology 101. Oh, yay. Because I make it up. You are the psychologist right yeah. now? <laughs> well, because I'm trying to think. I think I get what you're saying. But to me, a narcissist won't pick up on... Like, if you tell me, oh, something bad happened oh, to you... Oh, I see. I'm not picking that up like as in like oh she's sad i'm gonna do 
oh well yeah well fuck this is what happened to me so they take it and work with it yeah. for themselves so I, I see what you it. mean i guess they do read it but yeah I see what she you was mean. just um so when i was reading it she just got like annoyed like because then when she got married yeah she, this guy's always fucking around and she's saying like he's waiting in the bed every night for me like i just don't have my own space we take care we take the trash out men <laughs> just bring the trash no, I shouldn't say bring the trash in. They create trash. They, they create unfortunate heaps of trash bags. And she was single for so long. Yeah. Right? So she, and she was, you know, fucking whoever she wanted. I don't know if she was fucking people, but let's just say yes. It sounded like it did sound like a crazy, wanted. crazy episode of Downton Abbey uh, to yeah. me in the beginning. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was like a, it was like, a, um, uh, what do you call those? Like a Madame house? Whatchamacallit? A brothel? Yeah, yeah. She like turned her master's house into, we're just making this up now, uh, into a brothel. Yeah. But she was a one a woman. Speakeasy so, brothel. Yeah, she's like, it was Excuse like me. Tinder, hardcore. <laughs> it was like, meet me here, boom, bang, beam, DTF, question mark, is pretty much what she had going on there. That's, uh, where, oh my gosh, what was I watching? Oh, oh, yeah, okay. You watched 90 Day Fiance? No, I didn't, uh, but um, we had our, we have a, a party every year, it's called the Pitchfork Party, and we listen to, or we watch actually all of the Pitchfork top t- 10 or 20 videos of this year. There is one that I have to show you later. It is incredible. It's called Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> and the lady who sings it is fantastic. Her name's Cupcake with an extra K in there. Oh, that's how you know you're good. And it is my favorite. It's just my favorite thing. And I can't wait to show this to you. So, and it's, it's a catchy song. Anyways, <laughs> but when you said, talked about Tinder and Grinder, it, it totally just triggered my, my brain to go, oh, I got to show you this thing. Okay. But so that's a tangent, side tangent. But yeah, I will show it to you. Excellent. I loved your story. That was great. Well, that was you. so well done. That was lovely of you. Well, it's the truth. It's because I said Taylor made, right? I only speak the truth. I'm so happy about that joke when I made it. <laughs> that was really good. I'm and like, the suitor. 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 All right. Um, so I'm going to give you the heads. Head, 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 head. <laughs> I'm going to warm up my food. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to also go to the bathroom. and. Oh, I, yeah. Maybe I should pee too. Yeah. Let's take a break. Okay. Okay. I started watching Mindhunter, by the way. Did you? It, it's so it is. I mean, it's based off of true stuff, yes. but it is like Hollywoodized. It is like it's the there's an, there's a book called Mindhunter by so I can't remember who it was. A person, but they worked very closely with Robert Wrestler. Did you hear that? It's your dog. Oh, dude, 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 dude. Whoa, 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 Holy whoa, whoa. shit, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. So last night, I'm here, Tyler's in bed. Are you going to tell me another ghost story? I am, I am. Son of a okay. bitch. Your place is haunted. I know. So I, I'm, okay, I don't know, but I got up and I started, I was making a cup of tea. I got up to go get the tea and then just as I got to the um, garbage can, yeah. I heard, stop. And then what did you do? I stopped. Because it sounded like they were saying stop. What? Then did you not make yourself tea? I did afterwards. Oh. But I paused for a moment and had a mini panic attack. And then everything was fine because I were Bowie? in in the bedroom with, with Tyler sleeping. And this came from this living room? Right here. Like we, it, it was like as if it was in my ear. So I, I assume that I may have brushed past the garbage can and it may have made a noise or uh, something like that. But it clearly it sounded like stop hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Anyways, we can theorize. Anyways, go ahead. What were you? What were we talking about? We're oh, talking about Mindhunter. ghosts. Mind hunters. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. Um, a lot of nudity, <laughs> which I like. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, give it. I'm, I'm not sold on it. Okay, how I'm many? How many episodes? I want to say two or three. So keep going. I I agree with you a hundred percent. It is so dry. The first two episodes, episode three got a little more interesting, and I. Just got to the point where they I said... They started talking to Ed Kemper, which is fascinating. Yes. Which is funny, because I'm watching it with Dexter, and I'm like, oh, that's Ed Kemper! And then I start telling him about it. He's like, what does he do? What did he do? I'm like, no, this, this, and then, anyway. Um, the guy who plays Ed Kemper, his name oh, is... Oh, him. Yeah, you're talking about... Yes, he was amazing. So, when mm-hmm. I saw him, I'm like, holy shit, that's an amazing job. Dexter didn't know, so I Googled, I Googled Ed Kemper's yeah. face so he can see, and he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his name is Cameron Britton. Brighton? Brighton. Cameron Brighton. He was... He's amazing. Oh, have you get, gotten to the episode of MFM yet, where they did live at Los Angeles? No. Oh, I can't. I, okay. Oh, it's going to be a good one. No, it's going to be I a good one for you. But I watched Veronica Mars today, <laughs> and I'm almost caught. I'm on season three, which <gasps> is the last season. But at one point, Logan yeah. meets his half-brother, but it actually is not his half-brother. It's a reporter. But that character, he plays Logan in Gilmore Girls. So I'm laughing, thinking Logan is talking to Logan, because when I see that guy, I yeah. only think of Logan from Gilmore Girls. Oh, I didn't and know. Yes, yeah, so he plays this rich kid, Logan. Oh. I'm from Gilmore Girls, and I was like, hey, that's Logan. That's that guy. And he's talking to Logan. And Logan and Logan are brothers. And then I, I started texting you, and then I'm like, okay, she doesn't care. Let's just delete it, and I'll tell her live. And I then, do have to watch Gilmore Girls. I've never watched it before. Oh, it's good. I tried to watch the new stuff from Netflix, and I was no, totally lost. As, no, I don't know so what's going episodes. on. No, and you shouldn't watch that even if you do watch it. Something Gilmore about Rory don't is even. like this ignore it. Ign- weird girl. No, see, okay, I don't know. You can't oh, just no. ignore it. You have to pretend like that what? never happened. Ignore what? Exactly. And watch it fresh because Gilmore Girls is fantastic and you love Rory and Rory or Rory and Lorelai. They're both called Lorelai. Yeah. They seem to have like a really good mom daughter relationship. Yeah, it's cute. Secretly kind of jealous of it, but okay, at the same time. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say every normal, every family. But they do fight. Yeah. And because she had her when she was really young. Yeah. So they're like. I remember, I remember kind of, I got the gist of that. Yeah. Um, but. I should. I, I have so many things I, that I need to do and read and. I know. Too much. Life. I know. Life is stressful. Sometimes all you need is like a little piece of chocolate pie, but. Oh, I can just... provide. Would you like. What? Oh. Yeah. What? You have chocolate pie? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. What are you talking about? We didn't just talk about that. What? That's rude. I would never just ask for chocolate pie. That's so rude. It's mm-hmm. good, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you keep talking. Okay. I don't know. Or you can tell me about your murder. <gasps> oh. So this is a big one. I've been waiting to do this forever. Since since I uttered the words to Julie, we should start a <laughs> we should start a podcast. Honestly. Um so you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go. Yeah. Let's just go. The story of Gianni Versace's assassination is Yay! relatively new to me at this time. Uh, at the time of his death, I was just, I was only 10, just to give you some perspective. He died that long ago? Yeah. Yep. All right. So the year it was... <laughs> 
Well, I did some some research, you know, just a wee bit. (laughs) The year was 1997. The biggest thing I can actually remember from this year was the death of Princess Diana. Uh, She actually died in August of that year, just a month after Gianni. I remember coming home to my mom and I was, I think, yeah, I just come home from school and she was sitting in our living room crying and was like, Princess Diana. And I was like, oh, and it felt like it. She was looked in our home household almost like a family member. Yeah. She's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so being that that's the only thing that I can remember, I think it makes sense. Like I was 10. Really, the only things that I should have been worried about are boys, school, and obviously Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, how, how, how non, uh, no, how, how little did I know back then of what was going on in the world? So I messaged my mom. I'm like, hey, mom, do you remember when Gianni Versace died? And she goes, yep, absolutely. I remember seeing it on the news and this and that. And I'm like, oh, OK. So it was kind of a, it was a huge thing. The only thing that she got wrong was um, he she had mentioned that Gianni's daughter had taken over the company. It wasn't. It was his sister. He didn't have any uh, kids. Oh. Um, so I, I'm glad that I sort of found out about it now because I'm at, I, like liking murder and liking kind of crime stories like this. My interest was totally peaked and I'm like, yeah, I, I became obsessed. Um, I first learned about this story and I think I've mentioned it before watching season two of American Crime Stories. The TV show is actually was created by Brad Fulchek and Ryan Murphy. They created Nip Tuck, Glee, American Horror Stories, and Scream Queens. You've probably heard of Glee before. Yes. Yeah. Um, also That's fun. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you may know, you may know one of the characters from the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yes. Um, Kurt's boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. Darren Chris. And I'm really excited. Um, I just found out that they received the most TV nominations at the Golden Globes this year. They're nominated for Best TV Movie Limited Series. Uh, Darren Chris, Penelope Cruz, and Edgar Ramirez are have all been nominated for the roles they play. So it was good. It was. I loved it. I loved it so much that, like... I fell in love with the story. I love the way that Murphy and Fulchuk actually wrote it out and kind of timelined it for us in a very, um, it just flowed really well. And I really like the writing style. So I think that's why I also took to it. Um, the last season was about OJ Simpson, which also was very good, but you know, I've heard that story so much and it's, you know, it's one of the most popular crime stories of our our existence so i knew more of oj than i did of johnny and i it was so good it was so well done everybody who like uh edgar ramirez plays johnny versace he did an amazing job like the side by side of him and the way he did hit the role like he was he was him he was a young gianni versace Penelope Cruz, even she played a wonderful donatella i i knew of donatella from kind of getting interested in fashion later on. I just didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was the sister of Gianni Versace. And then Darren Chris played. <laughs> okay. He is super gorgeous. He's so hot. It confused me to watch him play this role of Andrew Cunanan because he did such a great job. You, uh, 
Yeah. When an actor can make you fall in love with a disgusting piece of shit, Mm -hmm. they've done it. That's like Ed Kemper with Cameron Brighton. Like, yes. So, uh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know nothing about the story. So, all the characters you just said were for the listeners. Right. And I had asked, but you wait. Yes, until so I, I do couldn't the story. watch anything. Yeah. Um, I will say, the it, maybe, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but watching the previews mm-hmm. for the American Horror Story stuff coming out, or American... American Crime Story. Crime Story, sorry. Made me not want to watch it. Oh. It, it was like this, and there's all these big actors in it, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the time of my life. I don't, I just like, like it doesn't look good. It looks annoying and mm-hmm. irritating. And by annoying and irritating, I mean like... Just get to the point. I'm very much of like, I need to know everything right away. Oh, okay. So I was scared that if it was over a long period of time. Yeah. And because I know so little about the story, I was scared that I would just get annoyed. Like, okay, well, what's happening? Where like, OJ, I know what happens. Mm-hmm. So I can sit there yeah. and and watch it. But Versace, I don't know. It was something about the previews. I was like, okay, what's, what is happening here? And somebody's hair was just horrible. I forget who it was. It was a Penelope Cruz. Did she dye her hair blonde or something? There was yeah. something weird with the hair color. Yeah, she has blonde hair. In the movie. Well, in real life and in the TV, in the series. Oh, sorry. Not Penelope. Who? Penelope Cruz? Yeah. Penelope. Not Penelope. Like Penelope Cruz. Oh my gosh. Words. Okay. Hold on. Penelope Cruz dyed her hair or wore a wig, a blonde wig to play the role of Donatella because she's a blonde. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. She's blonde? Donatella Versace? No. Penelope Cruz. No. Okay. That's what I mean. For this role. It didn't look good on her. And, and you, I, it, that's you know the point. Me and my blondes. That's the point, though. Oh, Trust me. Like, if okay. I'll show you pictures, whoops, sorry. Okay, sh- I'll show you pictures of Donatella. Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't want, like, she's a beautiful, she's a, such a strong, beautiful woman, but. No, like, I'll think that I'll want to watch it because I did want to watch that, how it really happened, mm-hmm. but I didn't because told me not to. But I don't, don't think of it as a finite truth to the entire story. And I'm going to tell okay. you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. The hard facts. The hard, hard facts and sort of go into a little bit about the TV show and what their portrayal of right. certain things are. Let's do this. All right. Gianni Versace, as we all know him, is the man and talent behind Versace, the fashion company. He was born December 2nd. Happy belated birthday in Italy. His mother was a dressmaker and often had Gianni in her boutique helping around the shop. Along with fashion, he had a love for architecture and Greek mythology, which you you see a lot of in his work. And I'll show you some pictures. His clean lines and modern toga dresses express se- sexuality in golds and blacks that no other designer had dared to touch. Um, after graduating, after he graduated high school, he worked in his mom's shop as an apprentice, and at 26, he decided to move to Milan in 1972. He worked for several influential fashion designers, like Valentino. Have you heard of Valentino before? Yep. Um, it was the only name that I could recognize. The other ones were Genny, Complice, and Callahan. I don't know. The, I'm not familiar with those designers, but um, it was... Uh, He worked for them until he was given his own creative freedom and created his first signature collection for women. It was a huge success. So in 1978, he opened his first boutique in Milan's Via della Spiga. That's exactly how you say it. Thank you. (laughs) 
Gianni quickly grew his business into a family empire, employing his older brother, Santo, as president, his sister, Donatella, as vice president, and her husband, Paul, as the menswear uh, the menswear director. That's nice of him. Yeah. The family, they were never far apart. They always stuck together. They really built, built like this fashion family empire. Yeah. They were the, they were considered the most powerful family dynasty in the history of fashion. So, just as bold and risky as his lines of fashion, his line, like collection fashion lines. Oh my gosh. Johnny's life was about, (laughs) thank you. Johnny's life was about living in the open. In July, 1995, hidden away in the pages of the Advocate magazine was a story with Gianni Versace and his companion or life partner, as he called him, Antonio D'Amico. He, and he's a cutie patootie. He's really cute. He's played by, um, um, Oh gosh, she bangs, she bangs. Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. Oh yes, he yes. Ricky Martin plays him in the uh, um, the TV and that's show. Just Gianni Versace's lover. Mm-hmm. Okay. At first, the family begged him not to go public with his sexuality because they worried it would hurt the business. But the strong thirteen-year relationship that Gianni and Antonio had uh, going public actually didn't hurt them or the business at all. Mm-hmm really it wasn't actually documented whether or not it did and i think it's safe to say that it did more it did better than harm did more good than yeah. harm yeah um so in 1993 gianni was diagnosed with a rare cancer of the inner ear i i, I didn't know cancer well i mean cancer can fucking be everywhere but it was the first time i heard of cancer being in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Um, he thankfully beat it. And for the next two years, he climbed the fashion world and stood as it's rightful as his, as it's right. Oh my gosh. He thankfully beat it. And for the next two years, he climbed the fashion world and stood it's rightful King. So, well, Andrew Philip Cunanan was born August 31st, 1969 in California. His parents, Modesto Pete Cunanan, was a Filipino-American who served in the U.S. Navy in Vietnam and then became a stockbroker once he was discharged. His mom was Mary Mary Ann Shalinsi, an Italian-American. We don't actually know too much about his mom. In the TV show, she it looks like she works in a retail setting or like a grocery store. Okay. It's never really quite um, mentioned. Yeah. But either way, you can see and there's much dialogue between Andrew and her that she did not like the life she was living. This makes me believe that the show actually was accurate in depicting this because they were originally a middle class family. They were f- fairly well off. Um, but Modesto did not do well as a stockbroker. So on Andrew's 19th Uh, When Andrew was 19, his father became a wanted man after embezzling over $100,000, and he fled to the Philippines, abandoning abandoning his family to avoid being arrested in the States. Right. This forced Marianne to move to a lower-class neighborhood, and having she had to find employment. She was not happy about it. Um, You will often hear, and if you watch the show, themes of upper-class versus lower-class and how important it was for Andrew to be at the top and very well-liked. We talk about narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in an ABC News interview in 1997, Andrew's three siblings gave us kind of a similar story to what the show was portraying. The and, and the weird thing is, and I'll 
how, I don't know how to put this without sort of giving away the next part, but this uh, event was so fresh that, of course, in the ABC interview, all they would talk about is Andrew. Um, and it was all focused on Andrew. And the siblings had said he was totally spoiled. He was given a master bedroom and his own private bathroom. He was paid to go. They paid for him to go to private school. And like who, the parents? The parents did. Okay. They spoiled Andrew and Andrew only. And all the other kids were sort of ignored. His dad even gave him a new brand new sports car because he asked for it. Oh. Was and, he the oldest? Uh, oh, I don't know. Okay. Shit. That I'm not 100% I would sure. I to think that. <laughs> well, oh no, I think he was actually the youngest. He was the, the second youngest. Oh, okay. I think. Something because like in this show, he looks really young. Um, but all the, like in the interview, this all, everybody agrees, like he was the favorite and it was, it was well known too that he, like his yeah. parents made it known. And why? Like, why was he the favorite child? Like, you... you He's the middle kid. They always favor the middle kid. Well... Joe. It's probably because he was extremely intelligent. He had uh, an IQ of 147. His brother had... Um, had It was documented by his brother that he... That Andrew read an entire set of encyclopedias at the time, like mm-hmm. the current ones. Pretty, pretty and he memorized it. You could ask him anything and what? he would know... It. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was when I was doing my research, there was this article that I was reading and I laughed so hard because in this article, um, uh, I, her name's Eileen Culling. She wrote with an IQ of 147 and access to private school education. No one could have predicted that Andrew Gunanan would ter- one day turn into America's most wanted fugitive in the 1990s. I'm like, sweetie, I've got one word for you. Ted Bunny. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for the money. You know, because he was... They're all smart. Excuse me. Well, um, very... Very organized serial killers often are cited as having high IQs. Yeah. And we look at cases like Ed Kemper or, you know, John Kaczyn- um, um Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. He oh, had, yeah. his IQ was 167. That's like fucking, <clears throat> holy shit, your brain's on fire. I would not want to do an IQ test for fear of what it would show up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they measure it. Someone once told me that it was phony and it doesn't really have... Because I think it's like figuring things out differently or something. Too. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm out. Anyways, <laughs> when Kunanen was 15, he started going to gay bars and adapting different characters to trick men he struck out with the previous nights. He Andrew? Was, yeah. Okay. He was so good at it that he even tricked his bar friends into believing he was someone else. What? Mm-hmm. So he would just go like if he didn't if he didn't do well at the gay bar or picked up anybody um, the previous night the the next day he would come as somebody different and like adapt this entire personality and these crazy disguises and even wow. tricked his like usual bar friends. So he was a master in disguise. I'm gonna do that to you. I'm gonna show up at work one day. <gasps> cool. <laughs> You're just in a T Rex costume. <laughs> Who's the T-Rex? <laughs> it's not Julie. <laughs> I I want to say something about some other costumes that may be appropriate for this story. Oh. Like sexual ones. <laughs> okay. His mom didn't approve of his, his homosexuality. Um, apparently... He, they got in a fight after he came out and he pushed his mom so hard she like dislocated her shoulders. Whoa. Yeah. 
Um, but he was very open about his sexuality while attending school, and it didn't bother anyone. Many people account that he was well-liked and very popular. So when he graduated high school, he was voted as most likely to be remembered. Oh. Yeah. Well, he sure definitely he was. It's kind of fucked up. But for different reasons. <laughs> he took his master of disguise a bit too far. He would woo older men and lie, lie his way into their hearts to the point where they would shower him with gifts. Yeah, he funded, sugar daddy. Yeah. He, he, and that's a, pretty much what he did. He funded most of his life with that kind of ploy and continued to get ahead with his obsessive lying. So he just lied. Like, you should read some of the fucking shit that he t- said that he did saying oh i was just over in switzerland and then moved over switzerland? back switzerland and then went here and oh i know this person in this like there's just the, oh yes it's it's pretty we yeah know that type yep did i tell you about the time i met jennifer lopez no yeah you met j-lo no i totally just made that up oh <laughs> damn it i just wanted to be that part actually funny enough though sorry i actually and i just that just came out with jennifer lopez i didn't know i had a dream was it last night? No, the night before. Then I shared a hotel room with Jennifer Lopez. No shit. And that's not even why I said her name just now. A dream. Can you imagine? I don't believe you. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't. You shouldn't. No. No. Really? Like I shared a huh? hotel room and I don't remember why we had to share a hotel room. But then I was like actually cocky in my dream. Like, oh yeah, J-Lo is like, we're sharing a hotel room. Like, whatever. I wonder, like, did you watch something... You watched The Wedding Planner, didn't you? No, I didn't, which is weird. I didn't watch anything with her. I don't know why. She just magically Maybe popped him into your head. She can share my dreams or hotel room anytime. <laughs> uh, what's the, what was her very first big hit? Song-wise yeah, or movie-wise? song-wise. Because whatever that music video was, because it had all the lasers and shit in it, and her, like, she had this, uh, like, plastic white outfit on i will always remember that video and it will always be my favorite yeah, j-lo song videos when i was a kid oh i'll have to sh- we'll find it I and i'll show you selena. Uh, <laughs> I that was my fall into love with j-lo mm-hmm. was her rendition of selena and then yes yes if you want my love no yeah, yeah if you want my love and i'll give you all my trust would you come for me yes that's the song me baby. baby yeah that's da, 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 da. <laughs> That's not Selena, by the way. Selena is El Chico del Apartamento Cinco Doce. El Chico del Apartamento Cinco Doce. That's my list. Oh my god, that was beautiful. That was amazing. Okay, let's get back to the business here. Okay, while he was attending the University of, which that was beautiful, by the way. I didn't, I didn't even, (laughs) I my mouth was like on the floor. I had no idea what what you were saying, but it was beautiful. It's a great song about potentially cheating lovers. Oh, not being killed by a super fan who's a complete psychopath. That's correct. That's such a sad story. We should we should cover that one. Yes, we will. Yeah. Okay. You should do it. You would be good. Yeah, okay. you'd be the perfect person to do it. <gasps> oh, a gift to Selena. you, the story of Selena. Thank you. To do. Cool. Okay. I'm going to tell you more about Dar- uh, no, Darren Chris. I'm not going to tell you about Darren Chris. I'm going to tell you about Andrew Cunanan. Andrew? Yes. Okay. Darren Chris plays Andrew Cunanan. Okay. Oh, God. He confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> While Andrew Cunanan was attending the University of California in San Diego, he frequented gay bars where male escorts were known to be. Yes. Yeah. He dropped out of university because of his new lavish lifestyle that he was being gifted by all these older men. Nice. And decided to move to San Francisco. As you would. 
Uh, and instead of just kind of getting all of the guys himself, he actually joined an escort service and had made several new friends during his time there, including his older wealthy closeted friends who continue to buy him fancy clothes. Oh, I just said that, didn't I? Crap. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't get killed by that murderer you covered. What's his name? Well, you don't know his name because it's a cold case. Oh, the doodler. Doodler. The doodler. You. Yeah. Watch out for the doodler. Well, Same that was like 1960. Oh, maybe. I forget. 70s. Maybe. This is, 19, this is the 1980s. Oh, so this is like 80s. 1987. Right. Decade. Um, they even like they went these like sugar daddies went as far as like giving him monthly allowances and just buying him whatever he wanted he actually would brag about it he was living his perfect fairy tale but it was lonely yes he had the money the notoriety the power which wasn't in fact power at all he was lying to himself he who really had the power was gianni versace he was at the top of his game so i don't know if you've ever um 90 like boy girl romance movies a lot of the times the girls would wear this like sort of tank top oh. no this tank top shirt that was very slinky that looked like metal what well, was called orton and it was a patented metal by gianni versace that made him immediately what? famous it's this crazy cool chain mail that the tiny itty bitty like things pushed together to make cloth and it drapes over the body so fantastically and it keeps this beautiful shape it's not stiff so um one of his very first fashion shows was debuting this crazy metal and it became an immediate hit like in the 80s and 90s you saw this stuff everywhere um it it was and it's really cool i've got some pictures of some of the dresses that he made with it um during his and so another thing too that he did that kind of shot him to fame in 1991 he sent down his runway all all together cindy crawford naomi campbell Kristen uh turlington claudia schaefer and linda evangelista nice these are all of his top model models nice. they exclusively worked with him i don't remember him asking me but whatever well i think in 1991 you might have oh. been a toddler or like going into your i was we ah see damn it my time yeah i mean if we had a time machine we could go back and i think that he would totally sh- put you in there he'd <laughs> fucking say goodbye cindy crawford i've got Julie. no well his models were uh at the time uh were very well in like well endowed no No. (laughs) they were voluptuous they they had meat on their bones they weren't like the pale sort of like zombie looking girls that we're used to in the 90s like the coked out ones from the 90s they were f- full figured models no i used to very tall. Away, right no i did did you really i did <sighs> back in my early 20s i was a model when i was six <laughs> yeah oh that's good <laughs> but you what really like did you do any of the toronto fashion weeks i here? did uh no no i did some stuff for max mass exodus which is like uh the university ryerson university shows Whoa. which were actually really cool they were student shows they've got a good fashion they were program freaking brilliant uh but no it was uh i did then niagara falls stuff <gasps> um and then sometimes outer skirts and then outskirts outer skirts whoa <laughs> outskirts and then we did chicago and new york whoa well, yeah. were you a, you are in an agency you had an agency that you worked for no way I do. Yeah. do you have headshots 
Uh, I want to see these. I won't show them to anybody right. else, but I just want to secretly see what you've got. Oh, shit. Like you don't to- have to. Oh, this is a safe space. You you can decline. My first thing is I, was, I walked on a runway once with a thong and um, an, un- an underwear, like a bra, was like a see-through little fluey thing. I would never do that now. Oh, my but gosh. Yeah, Look I at you. I think it was 20... Maybe 25, 26. Holy shit. But let me tell you, a lot has changed since then. Yeah, you look gorgeous <laughs> as ever. Oh, Jenna, I love you, but uh, no. Okay. Okay, Versace. Don't lie. Nev Campbell. Don't lie to our listeners. <laughs> yes, ne- Naomi, Naomi ne- Campbell. Yeah. Nev is from Scream. <laughs> Nev is a Scream girl. Nev is a Scream Naomi, girl. Naomi is yes. a runway girl. Two different girls. <laughs> well, okay. So this, this power play was actually the... Um, the way that we got supermodels because he paid them higher wages mm-hmm. and kind of kept them all together like a clique. Um, so he can, a clique. A little French accent. My mouth okay. noises. That's why I was like, oh, clique. Uh, so yeah, he invented the supermodel. So the site Cry- uh, Criminal Minds Fandom Wiki, which I got a lot of this from, mentioned some very detailed things that I couldn't find. I couldn't actually find where their source is. They source the information, but they say while he was living in San Francisco, Andrew took roles in a gay porn in gay porn where um, this is kind of where his love of pain and and like torture came to uh, most. He started he started becoming sadistic. The films were mostly hardcore humiliation and torture porn. And during this time, he befriended a well-known young lawyer, Eli Gould. This was his ticket to fame. He he. Even though many people started noticing his odd behaviors, he still showed up for many high society social events without batting an eyelash eyelash, and they let him in. Like he started doing weird things. And when he would do his escorting with his clients, he would start getting more and more violent. He would like tape them down or like tie them up and stuff. And word was getting around, but no one really thought anything of it like the, com- the gay community just kind of not i don't want to say ignored it but didn't make a big deal about it and so it's at it at this time that our story begins on an evening such like this maybe not a monday probably a saturday people who like to go clubbing would be attending well not really okay hold on yeah what are you doing don't make face at me I'm interested. Let's go. Okay. I just <laughs> screwed this whole thing up. No. Let me paint this picture for this you. Evening, like a Saturday. Yeah. On an evening such like this, maybe not because it's actually Monday. I don't know many people who go clubbing on Mondays. I used to. Did you? Yeah. Really? Seven days a week. Damn it. Now this does not make sense. Why? Because I, I assume nobody goes clubbing on Mondays. No, normal people don't. It's just normal. Mondays is usually industry night. So oh. people that work in the industry don't get to go out and gotcha. party. So they go party on Mondays. Ah, that makes sense. Okay, well, let's just say this is Saturday. It's a Saturday. Okay. Okay, right now, today. Normal people party on Saturdays. We're at a gay bar. Yes. Well, we're at a gay nightclub, I should say. Love it. My favorite. It's the 80s. And, you know, we just walked in. Okay. They've got either, like, pump up the volume or... Pump um, pump it up. Or, like, into the groove playing. Okay. Get into the groove. You've got to prove your love to me. Um, So, there's a ton of hotties in here tonight. Like, they're really good looking. They look delicious. (sighs) But you spot an older gentleman beckoning a young man uh, who happened to be there with a friend of his. He 
calls him over, and he drops a line. I know you. Lago di Camo no? Breaking the ice with his guess, not expecting this answer. The person says, why, yes. I can't believe you remembered. Going into detail about his family spending time there a few years ago, obviously, obviously a lie. The older man realizes it. The conversation ends. And that is the end of that. Conf- Who was it? What's going on? This is believed to be the very, the one and only time Gianni Versace and Andrew Cunanan meet. Okay. Okay. And there's several accounts of it, too. Like, a lot of people men- mention seeing and seeing them there, and they have eyewitness accounts. So, Andrew Cunanan was there with Eli Gould. And uh, during the night, Gianni came in with Antonio as well, his, his boyfriend. They all sat down in a private area, but... Uh, Gianni spotted Andrew and asked someone to go and bring him over. So he brings him over. And there's so there's two different accounts of how this happened. Gianni either mistaken him for someone else or kind of uses this line as a pickup line to see what the person's response was. And Andrew just went into a diatribe about how his family lives there and they go there every summer and he knows exactly where he lives, yada, 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 and just went on. And Gianni kind of like was like, okay. Right. And the that was that was it. Okay. However, huh. um there is another another account that um they actually met a different time. But the fam- the Versace family denies any meeting between the two the two people. Um but it's well documented that they somehow met somewhere. Right. Uh the other theory is that One of Andrew's friends he had met at a gay bar told investigators that Andrew had once gone to see one of the operas Gianni uh, was heading, was the head of the costume, was head of costume designing for. He did, he was a costume designer for theater quite often because he loved it. Gianni, Mr. Versace. Yeah, because he really, really liked theater and wanted to sort of participate um, in making costumes, which was kind of his love of fashion, started his love of fashion with his mom. Okay. Um, so what this person claims is that there was a small interaction between Andrew and Versace either before or after the performance. Okay. But I actually don't believe this is true. I think it's sort of something that Andrew thought up in his head. He might have attended an opera and, and sort of had it in his mind that Gianni was there or he had found that Gianni was the costume designer for a performance, went to it, not even thinking or knowing that he was or was not going to be there and just then made false claims like, oh, I'm at Versace at the end of such and such. He's the costume designer for it. Um, And you'll see it in the TV show, how they how they do it. It's very well done. Um, They kind of leave it totally open to interpretation of whether you believe it's a a true story or not. Um, So let's fast forward. It's late 1996, going into 1987. Andrew's lavish lifestyle, being paid for by wealthy gay men, was disappearing so rapidly. Andrew's young, sexy self was creeping closer to its expiry date. <sighs> yep. With his incredibly weird behavior and pain fetish being a turnoff for most of his clients, Andrew started gaining weight, letting his appearance lapse and taking sketchy jobs to make money. He was a drug dealer, uh, for some time getting addicted to the, his own his own drug, which was painkillers, and washing them down with vodka. Oh. Alcoholic. He committed petty theft and prostituted himself. 
from what is depicted in the TV show, it's around this time that his two best friends, Jeffrey Trail and David uh, Madsen, who Kunanen was actually obsessed with, he was they had a little bit of a flame together, and he was like madly in love with David Mason Madsen. Uh, the two of them started secretly dating behind Kunanen's back. Oh, so. I don't recall how the, these two gentlemen met Andrew. I'm assuming, if I can remember, it's the, it was at a gay club. But um, he, they became very close. But both of both of the two men were getting very weirded out by Andrew. So they kind of had this under secret relationship going on. Andrew became suspicious of both them. Both of them, David and Jeffrey, were fairly successful and well off, which kind of made um, Andrew jealous because all of all of his fame and success was fake. Yeah, Jeff was a former naval officer who uh, I think he was discharged for being gay. He was actually on a forty-eight hour special about the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" policy that Bill Clinton had written into action. It was basically any any service man or woman could be discharged if they told about their sexual preference being anything other than heterosexual or if they actually acted on any um any anything with the a person of the same sex bill clinton put that in yeah <laughs> yeah wow. uh, luckily in uh 2011 mm-hmm. um barack obama r- removed it so it's not no longer a thing, but there is still stigma in in this incident. Like, I know. Hey, I, I remember you <laughs> removed it, but I, I guess I, yeah, I don't know. Hey, we fucking in the sense of like, is that really a thing? So yeah, like if so, you couldn't be in the in the army or in the navy if you were gay. If you so you you could, you but you can't, can't say, say anything. If anybody became aware of what you're, uh, if you had a different sexual preference, rather than being a heterosexual, you were done. You were gone. That's so horrible. Yeah. Because it's a disease and... According, yeah, according to... Gross. Great, well-researched bullshit. (laughs) No, it's fucking stupid. (sighs) I know. Oh, fuck, it's painful. And you, you kind of, there's a little bit of a... um, a re reenactment of that documentary in the TV series. It's yeah. really good. Like, um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a shitty fucking thing. I'm so glad. I'm glad we're getting past it, but we have an orange face dill hole in power. Who doesn't like, oh my God. Oh, anyways, uh, David, the other guy was an architect who, ha- like I said, had a brief fling with Kunanen. When Andrew narrowed in on his friend's secret relationship, he snapped. On April 27th, 1997, Jeffrey had been called to David's apartment. And when he arrived, he was greeted by Andrew, not David. Hmm. Sometime during this visit, Andrew took a claw hammer and bashed Jeffrey's head <gasps> in. He was beaten to death and then rolled up in a rug left alone in David's apartment. When David returned to his home, he found Andrew. It's not 100% sure here, but there are accounts that David may have helped Andrew roll up Jeffrey's body Um, because people claim that he was sort of the uh, a very sensitive person who didn't like confrontation and wanted to kind of help Jeff. Uh, David. Da- Jeffrey's dead. Oh, Jeff. The Jeffrey's David. dead. So David. Oh, okay. David is the sort of sensitive one who's very kind and doesn't want to want to be in the middle of confrontation. Yeah, and you come home and your boyfriend's dead. Yup. 
oh, here, let me kill her. Let me help you clear the body. Yeah. um, Some people said because of his personality, it was just him completely scared out of his fucking mind because Andrew just went crazy. Yeah. Um, That's true. He could be scared. Yeah. So earlier that week, though, Andrew had called David to tell him that he was coming into town. So David's in uh, Minnesota, I think. Minnesota. Minnesota. And Andrew's in San Francisco. So um, he wanted to go and confess his love to David and say, like, I need you back. But a few of David's friends account that David had spoken to them before his murder and said that he that David was really uneasy about Kunanan's arrival and made mention that he didn't like being alone with him either. So he's he's told his friends this before Kunanan even gets to the airport, which David picks him up. Um, he picked him up from the airport and they he and Andrew stayed at David's house. But David told his friends that he didn't want to be around Kunanen or he didn't like his behavior. Like, he was already worried. He already was cluing in to... Yeah. So... He's feeling the... He just wanted to be nice, though. Yeah. I think that's, like, it, by the sounds of it, David has that personality of just being a kind heart and wanting to help everybody. Yeah. But it makes him vulnerable. Yeah. So, being alone and vulnerable, which I love that word, described as a man who put out confrontational fires. He was held against his will for about six days. Um, Kunanen. After he, Jeff was dead? Yes. Okay. So, the events go, Kunanen invites... Jeffrey to the house beats the f- ever living fuck out of him with a claw hammer and an unfortunate death has occurred and then David comes home and finds that Jeffrey is dead from Andrew who made some up some bullshit about him trying to doing it in self defense the two of them roll up Jeffrey's body in the carpet and then Kunanen holds David hostage for about six days. And not like, um, don't move. I'm going to kill you. But more so like, if you leave me, you've helped me roll him up. And now you're an accomplice too. I don't know what I can do without you. I need you in my life. I'm going to kill and like go. Is the body in the apartment the whole time? Yep. So what about decomp? Hold, yeah. <laughs> so Kunanen convinces David that they need to flee because Kunan had said that the superintendent of the building was starting to get suspicious and then that he actually had found the body. So after six days, uh, so they left, they get into David's car and they go travel. So for six days, they're on the road. And finally, um, after being held captive by Andrew Kunanen, they stop on an area on the east shore of Rush Lake near Rush City, Minnesota. I took that right out of an article. Minnesota. Minnesota. David was shot in the back of the head and oh. found two days later. Okay. But that's your love of your life, Andrew. Because he, David didn't, the, you'll see in the TV show, I don't want to give too much away. You'll understand it. Please, yeah. Like everyone, please go watch this. Seriously. It's a fucking great, it's really good the way that they laid out the event. So you will see what sort of occur happens between the two David between David and Andrew many psychologists believe Andrew had an existing case of delusions of grandeur so it makes sense that his cocky asshole this cocky asshole would freely move about driving to Chicago next so he's on his way to Chicago after murdering his beloved 
Uh, his next victim was the husband of Fame Home Shopping Network, the queen of makeovers, Miss Marilyn Klecka. I don't you you probably wouldn't remember because she was very pop. She did like the late night TV. Like now let's check out this perfume today. You can actually get this perfume for two easy payments of $19.99. It's an exclusive. Oh, it's a lovely smell. It smells like roses. So her husband. It was her husband. Yeah. And she was actually in the middle of doing uh, a recording when she found out that he was murdered. Whoa. So Lee Milligan, uh, sorry, Lee Miglin was assumed to be one of Kunanan's clients during his time as an escort. The closeted uh, Miglin. Yeah, she's a beard, right? Yeah, yeah. Was found dead in his garage, bound at the wrists. Oh, shit. Duct tape covered his whole face with only two tiny what? nostril holes to breathe. He had been tortured with a saw and stabbed so many times with a screwdriver and had had his throat slashed by a gardener's bow saw. Oh, God. <laughs> Andrew keeps going. Not even trying to hide himself or be discreet in any fucking way. He just was like... He's just on a rampage. Just goes. No, like, not even... I don't even know if it's a raged rampage. He just... Da, 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 let's okay. go down the street and go kill Mr. Clark today. Kind of thing. Like, he just didn't give because two shits. Because he goes from, like, San Francisco to kill... Jeff to kill David, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna go to Chicago." And yeah. he kills this guy, and now he's going to New New New, New Jersey, New yeah. Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey. Jersey. So uh, he actually steals the older man's Lexus. So he's now driving a fancy fucking flashy car to New Jersey. Five days later, Kunanan came upon William Reese, a man with no connection. So this is the only person that doesn't have a connection with Kunanan. It was just sort of a spur of the moment. He was the groundskeeper for Finns Point National Cemetery in Pennsville, New Jersey. Um, was he gay? I, I don't know. Okay. I didn't read anything about his um, like his personal life. Like I couldn't really if find they have no too connection, much. Then it doesn't. I guess it could be anything. But I'm just wondering if like. But yeah, there's no mention. Know. Like it's interesting. I like I feel like I and because I'm right now so far everybody he's killed is has a connection with him or him. their sexual like he's they're gay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <gasps> he's the doodler. <gasps> oh. He left San Francisco. Remember this killing stops. Then oh you know, my god. Anyway, well timelines are probably off. Yeah, because at this time I think he's like only 28. Andrew Cunanan's like 28 or 27, so he's pretty young. Anywho, <laughs> um, he so Andrew shoots and kills the forty-five-year-old man after uh, he leaves Alexis there in the cemetery and steals Reese's red pickup truck and heads for Miami Beach. So he's still going. He's still going. Here's the fucked-up part. It was at this point Andrew was finally put on the FBI's most wanted list, <laughs> and when he was just before he was caught like the day that Gianni Versace was shot that's that's when Versace was shot I'll tell you in a moment question mark (laughs) on the investigator's desk information about Andrew Kunan and and being on the most wanted list just shows up on their desk the day he's killed that's what I'm like wow so now I, I can't remember this. We're going into like two weeks now here of him killing Driving. from killing uh, Jeffrey uh, to killing uh, Re- uh, William Reese. So he's now in um, he's now in Miami and he walked freely for two whole months out in the open. 
out in the open without getting caught at all. Two fucking months. And he was on the most wanted list. At he this was point. at this point was on the most wanted list. Wow. Yep. Now this is Mr. Dress Up though. This is Mr. Dress Up. Right. This Not is Mr. Dress Up from the TV series. But. Who I love. But this is Icky Mr. Dress Up. Icky Mr. Dress Up. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and I believe it. So always known to have his assistant grab a coffee, breakfast, and the paper for him at a local cafe on July 15th, 1987, Gianni decided he would go himself. Two when days he- after my birthday. Oh, yeah, it is. Not the year. Two days. But July. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry that this is uh, something that is close to your birthday. <laughs> it's okay. It could even be on my birthday. Oh. When he returned home... With his back turned, ready to open the gate to his house, two shots were fired. <gasps> One in the back of Gianni Versace's neck and his head. The shots had been heard and witnesses claimed they tried to chase Kunan in a way, or like capture him, but they weren't successful. Versace was rushed to Jackson Memorial Hospital with life-threatening in- injuries. Well, yeah. Duh. Unfortunately, he was pronounced dead at 9.21 a.m. on July 15th, 1997. 87. 1997. 1997. Oh, 97. I think 97. said 87 first of all, at the first no. time. No. No, you probably said 97. I 1987 just... is when Kunan and, uh, enrolled in the University of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kunan, not fearing the repercussions of his action, pawned off some of Lee Mig- Mingla's, Minglin's, Miglin's, <laughs> sorry, oh my God, pawned some of Lee Miglin's belongings he stole using his own fucking name. So he's like, here you go. Here's some stuff. My name is Andrew Kunanen. He also checked himself into hostels using his own fucking name. Here you go. And nobody... Nothing. Nothing. At all. Mm. Oh, my God. Again, illusions of grandeur. He just... He feels untouchable. He thinks he's done nothing wrong. A massive manhunt went underway while Andrew had broken into into a Miami Beach home and stayed for eight days. FBI finally caught up with him. So they were hot on his trail. And this is like eight days. That's a long time to kind of be away from, to like not be found. Um, wow. Kunanen had been cooped up in this house for eight days and probably started getting paranoid because he was yeah. watching what was going on in the news. So on July 23rd, 1997, Kunanen put the gun he had stolen from his so-called best friend, Jeffrey Trail, the gun who killed David Mace, Madsen, William Reese, and Gianni Versace, into his mouth and pulled the trigger. Kunanen killed himself. We still to this day have Son no idea, bitch. truly, what his motive was or why he decided I to pick Gianni Versace as his yeah. last victim. Many... Many people actually th- theorize that it was because Gianni was an openly gay, successful, very famous, and very wealthy icon, and Andrew Cunanan really took to fashion. So it was kind of his jealousy towards Gianni for being able to be so open with tons of money that maybe had triggered this. Right. But uh, we ha- there's probably chance we'll never fucking know. Well, like, was he hoping that Gianni would be his sugar daddy? Back in the day oh. when they met, and then that's what he wants, and he's like, "You fucker! You could have just picked me up, and I could you could have been my sugar daddy." That could be it too. That's just yeah. that could be it. There could be resentment yeah. from that, but See, it's yeah, you no. Know, so that's just like almost. I mean, he. Mm. So he definitely had a connection in a sense at one point or another. They met. They met. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. What a piece of shit. So here's some inter- some other facts for you. Not not about Andrew Cunanan, but about Gianni. Because I okay. think he is one of those people that, you know, now I, I knew of the Versace brand, brand but I yes. did not know how big they were. Um, Ver- uh, Versace's inspiration for some of his more vibrant pieces came from Andy Warhol. Yeah. He, Warhol actually gave him permissions and yeah, he also made dress. personal prints for him for his, uh, for his outfits. I want do you? Um, Donatella created the, um, uh, was it uh, Madonna face dress? Oh, okay. So Donatella actually was the lead designer on that dress that became famous. Um, the But he was also influenced by Roy Lichtenstein. This oh. pop art and simple colors paired with Warhols became a signature look for the Versace brand. Yeah. Let's buy it. Okay. There's actually an auction going on right now where you can buy like limited special like how much? Run- I don't know. I didn't see the prices. Oh. I just thought that there was an auction. Okay, let's just let's go buy it. Okay. Okay. I'll grab the credit card. Um, if you guys would like to support the fact that we would like to buy this dress, please give us money. Mm-hmm. We uh, needed probably sure at least ten thousand dollars. Just e transfer it to yeah. our at uh, oh art of murder podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, mm-hmm. please e-transfer password. Us. Password, Ed Gein. Ed Gein, that's right. <laughs> All one word, All no one word. caps. Nope. Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Thank you. Thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate it. Yep. Uh, we uh, we need it. Yeah, we're in desperate. Desperate. Need to have this dress. 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 <laughs> Um, okay, so I had mentioned that he he also loved the theater, and throughout his career, theater. the theater, theater. even opera. <laughs> uh, they he actually would stop working at the uh, the Versace uh, company for a while to do these costume design projects. Oh, mm-hmm. cool! He's cool. Yeah, he like he was. When you see, um, there's a lot of interviews with him. He's just so cool, calm, and he's so open and just so humble. Like, he's just a really awesome person. Um, when I, because I got so obsessed with the, this story, I went back and watched a lot of Donatella interviews and yeah. interviews with him specifically way back in the day. And he's just all about loving everything like he's he's got such a positive outlook on stuff and when he was diagnosed with cancer too he was like ah you know i'm gonna get through it it's fine i may be feeling a little bit down right now but my work is my passion and my passion makes me live yeah he was just really cool um and one thing here and i'll make there's something else i've got to mention he designed um, Elton John's 2000 or 1992 world tour costumes for his show. Yeah, yeah, he did. They were like best friends, like total best friends. Also, Elton John. Here's a fun fact: his husband, David, is Canadian. Yes, and he grew up around the area where um, Tyler's mom and dad live. Ah! Ah! Speaking of. Tyler just Tyler walked in. He's trying to be really quiet. Yeah, he's really cute. But thank you. Murder. Yes. <laughs> I like your scarf. So yeah, Tyler's parents, uh, where they live, there is this little, there's this big lot that we drove by one at uh, one time. Mm, that hasn't happened yet. We're that working. You know of. That I know of. Okay. That you, I'm willing to talk about. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Elton John and David's ha- like ha- like 
getaway what? home in, in where his where's tyler's parents live so we went driving by you can't see it because it's like set way 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 back on this giant fucking lot but i was like oh i i know where elton john stays sometimes i was like Woo. but here's another creepy thing so at Gianni Versace's funeral, there's a picture of Elton John being consoled by his husband, David, and Princess Diane, who died a month later, later. who was one of his best friends, too. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, having to do that twice? See, and that's horrible. I didn't know that. I didn't know about the whole... I mean, I didn't know about the story, really, but I know, obviously, well, Princess Diana, we, we did covered her in school and all mm-hmm. that jazz. So, I was in seventh grade. And I remember because he wrote that song and all this, but oh my and god! And candle burned out long before your spirit never will. will. Yeah, yeah. But England's uh, rose, may you never. <laughs> my brother went and saw Elton John <gasps> do his tour this year. That was his like birthday present i just almost made out with a mic <laughs> that's okay i understand when you hear when you hear yellow brick road played live <laughs> but 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 benny and the jets do, do, do i love that song do, da, 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 da. i always wanted i loved playing piano but i never had liked practicing it right <laughs> and i always wanted to be a pianist like elton john Cause he had like, I loved the way he played the piano in these poppy ways and not yeah. like just class. I fucking, I love Beethoven. I don't like classical music all that much. I okay, love then, Beethoven. You need, the, you need the proper time. Yes. Like doing art and listening to classical oh, music is fantastic. I've never done that before. Yeah, so you just get out all your paints, uh-huh. you lay them out, mm-hmm. get a blank canvas, a yep. couple of paintbrushes, your water, your napkins, uh-huh. whatever, then play the music and then paint. And let it just... You can't have any pre-thought of whatever. Just think abstract, non-representational, okay. that kind of thing, and just do it. And so, you'll see that sometimes it's like... And you're like... As you're painting. Oh my god, this is brilliant. Yeah. So, you paint what you hear. Are you giving me homework? Yes. This is your homework I love when you give me homework. I like I love it because it challenges me to actually sit in my office and actually paint. that was was my rendition of the classical music yes i'm gonna listen to flight of the valkyries because that's like the best um yeah so i i find that that's versace oh my god see i know i like i know versace clothes yeah apostrophe clothes but i don't i knew nothing but the story like nothing like seriously so much so that i'm so ignorant to it which i know i said that i was i did like runway stuff when i was younger but like that was like low budget is this like a sandwich nothing. oh would this be considered a sandwich yes behind two sexy buns between that? um that's claudia that's uh cindy lopper cindy Lauffer. cindy crawford holy <laughs> shit You can swipe. Okay, I yeah. think I put I it. I think that counts as a sandwich. See? Because wow. those are two buns, oh, yeah, that's right? That's Cindy Crawford. Mm-hmm. I can swipe this way, right? I think so. Oh, wow. I have no, like... Oh, that's the metal thing you were talking about? Yeah, so... That's hot. I know. Um, and I can't remember what movie it's from. What? 
Yeah. It, they blurred out the testicles for <laughs> sure. Ooh. Versace worked with a lot of male photographers, and he had one that he... Uh, his name was Andrew Weber. Um, no, not, not Andrew, Andrew Weber. Weber. Um, no, but uh, Web, uh, Webster. Andrew Webster. And he did a lot, like, one some of his, the most beautiful pieces of photography with his dresses like i was looking i just became obsessed going through That's all night cool. yeah yeah check mm. i i secretly had a crush on prince like there was something uh, androgynous what? about him that i, I actually 100 percent believe you like this because sid vicious this is, prince tyler they're all the same this is fappable <laughs> who this this gives me a lady boner this hot picture of prince i don't know what it is about it i would That's rather me. have sex with a woman mm. i don't i want this dress that made it sound like as if I wouldn't want to have sex with a woman. That's not what I mean. I I, I mean, want like, that dress. Which oh this yes, the one with like the bondage. He was very well known for doing a lot of bondage. Like he created bondage uh, dresses as as like a style. Very oh, oh the one. Elizabeth Hur- Hurley dress, the safety pin pin dress. I've oh god, I gotta show you that. It is gorgeous. Ugh. Yeah. Um. Is there a picture? I think I have it on my computer. But let me. Um, no, you definitely have like a, a male style. Like Prince and Sid Vicious, their body type is like the same. Yeah, kind of. I mean, totally, two totally different styles in a sense of like Sid Vicious was like dirty and Prince is like <laughs> Wait a too yeah. clean. He, he was too clean. Yeah, see, I like my men dirty. Like, throw them in the dirt. That's what I like. <laughs> like, the dirtier, the better. Like, you know, I used to have a, I used to have a, kid, a crush on Kid Rock, like yeah, dirty, gross, disgusting. Mm-mm. I don't know what it is. That's um, not not my. Do you like the long hair? Like, is the long hair I big? I love it all. It's just everything. I just love it. Oh. I, I like to be able to put my hands, run my hands through their hair, and grab on. Is what I like. That's the dress. <gasps> so Elizabeth Hurley oh, was dating wow. uh, Hugh Grant at the time, and she was kind of a nobody. But when she wore this dress and went to that award ceremony, a cer- ceremony, Simi. she immediately became an international success. Wow. Yeah, she started getting film roles, and it was just because of that dress. I I love well, it. Well, shit! If I could wear that dress, I I would. Let's do it. Let's buy this dress. Fuck no. We'll buy both nope. the Madonna and this dress. Okay, I'll buy the Madonna dress. Ugh. Now, does a Madonna dress come in a hoodie? <laughs> we could probably. Let's, I'll just sew one on. Okay, I'm sure I can do it. I've never sewn a hood onto any. Oh, I've made a hood before, but I've never sewn it onto a classic collectible piece yes. of fashion that we probably would have to spend a hundred billion dollars on. Yeah. So. So anyway, so send us money. Yep. So we can buy Versace. Yes, please. And uh, Jenna, that was awesome. I'm glad that I now am educated yeah. in the Versace world. Versace. Yeah. Versace. World, Versace world. And the freaking Andrew serial killer guy. Yeah. Wow. Kunanen. Oh, Kunan. I really hope you do like the TV series when you do get a chance to watch it. I don't know how to watch it, though. It's not on that Netflix. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Okay. Secrets. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, um, yeah, anyways. Yeah. I, that was awesome. wow, happy 10th episode. Yeah! We did it. We're here. You know what? In honor of our 10th episode today, I donated money to uh, Wikipedia. Yay! Yes. It had nothing to do with our 10th episode, but oh. it just happened to be today, and hey, then I just said it. roll it and in there. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, so donate to Murderpedia and yep. Wikipedia. Just, you know, throw in maybe three, four dollars. It doesn't have to be a lot. No. But these, just these a coffee. Websites are, yeah, that's right. Just these websites coffee. are amazing and they run on donations. And so they help know, us out. They do. And definitely, if it wasn't for Wikipedia or Murderpedia, <laughs> we would not have a podcast. They scratch our back. We scratch, scratch their yours. back. That's right. <laughs> and it's just good because, you know, every time, what do you do when you look something up? That's what you look it up on. Yes. So. Most um, of it. Yeah. 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 And everything else. But yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a good one. And we're back to tunes. Of oh, my the eye. And Spotify. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the spot of the eye. Yes. Um, you can follow us on an Instagram, The Art of Murder. Uh, you can look us up at, yeah, look us up The Art of Murder on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Check us out on Pod Podbean. We've got a website. Our website Holy is? shit. Theartofmurder.ca. Theartofmurder.ca. Yeah. Did you say theartofmurder.ca? I said theartofmurder.ca. Excellent. I love you all. I love you too. Everybody. Ambient, Ambient toast. Shit, that was good. That was... It was good. Yeah, that was good.